God sent his son to save the world. That's John 3.17. And that's what the Gospel of John is all about. The Son of God was sent to be the Savior of the world. I put a picture of the world up here in case you've forgotten what it looks like. But it's pretty big. And so this mission is pretty massive as well. And as we've been going through the Gospel of John over the last uh, few months, we've, we've learned a little more bit by bit as to what this mission to save the world looks like. So... In, uh, in chapter 6, Jesus said, The bread that I'll give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus is going to die to save the world. And in chapter 10, Jesus said, I lay down my life that I might take it up again. So Jesus is going to rise from the dead. And in chapter 11, John wrote about Jesus and said, Jesus would not die for the nation only, but to gather into one the scattered children of God. Okay, so God has people all around the world who are his. He's got people in China, Pakistan, and he's got people in Emerald, Australia, and, and he's going to gather them. Okay, so we get now to the night before his death, and Jesus drops a bombshell. He says, I'm going away. What? You're going away? <laughs> Jesus, you said earlier in John 3 that people need to believe in you to be saved. But if you're not around to tell the world about yourself, then how are they going to believe in you and be saved? <laughs> what do you mean you're going away? And yet, as we know, after Jesus rises from the dead, he appears to his disciples, and then he says, I'm going away. And so the, answer, the question that we're going to ask today is why didn't Jesus stay on earth? Why didn't he stay? Surely, surely if you were Jesus, I know if I were Jesus, the first thing I'd do after rising from the dead is go around Jerusalem and just say, hey, look, it's me, I'm here, I'm risen from the dead, just like I said I would. And yet he doesn't do that. It, seems, it kind of seems like he's run the race, and just before the finish line, he's just given up right before the end. What's going on? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in verse 7. This is the key verse. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Okay, <laughs> so the Son of God was sent into the world to save the world, but now somebody else is being sent into the world, and his name is the Helper. Now, we know that the Helper is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. That's God's own Spirit, God himself. But the disciples probably didn't understand this at the time, and we know that because all across this night, whenever Jesus explains something to them, the disciples respond with, What do you mean, Lord? And so they're probably hearing this thinking, okay, Jesus is going to send someone else to, to finish the work. That's a little strange. Now, to make it even more confusing, across the Gospel of John, there are actually three groups of people who are sent into the world. The first group is Jesus. The second is the Spirit. And the third 
is us. I'm going to skip forward a few chapters to John chapter 20. After Jesus rises from the dead, he appears to his disciples and he says to them, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. There you have it. So Jesus is going to send his spirit into the world, and he's going to send his disciples. That's us. And as the spirit does his work on earth, the spirit is going to use us as his vessels to reach the world. He's going to be in us. So why didn't Jesus stay on earth? Jesus went away so he could reach the world by his spirit. So he'd reach the world. Remember, that was the plan all along. The Son of God came to save the world. And so he's going to do it by his spirit. Now, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he wasn't retiring. <laughs> he was ramping it up a notch. By ascending to heaven, he, he now has the ability to pour out his spirit across all his people across the earth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. And so now that he's at the right hand of God, he is able to be present here in Emerald and on the other side of the globe at the same time. All right? It's kind of like, have you guys ever been to, um, been to a public event, maybe a school event in, in this school hall, and there's music playing, it's a great dinner, and somebody's left their car lights on. Okay, so the person who realizes is going to come into the hall and go to a few people and say, hey, mate, is that your car? Is that your, you left your car lights on? And after talking to a few people, they're going to realize, oh, this is going to take forever to reach the whole room. And so what they're going to do is they're going to go to the PA, uh, get them to turn down the music, and then they're going to step up to the microphone and say, um, um, excuse me, sorry, everyone, sorry. Uh, if anyone has the, the car license plate 231ILT, that's 231ILT, your car lights are on, please go turn them off. Okay. What that person's done is they've stepped up to the mic to broadcast their message quicker. Jesus has stepped up to the mic to broadcast his message to the world through his spirit. All right? So when he ascended to heaven, he's now poured out his spirit on all his people all over the globe. And he is able to be present with us all at the same time. So, Jesus is going to reach the world by his Spirit. And there's two ways, there's two ways that the Spirit is going to carry on the work of Jesus in all the earth. Firstly, the Spirit's going to convict the world. And secondly, the Spirit is going to speak the truth. So, first one, the Spirit convicts the world. Um, in verses 8 to 11, Jesus outlines this. Jesus says that there's three ideas that the world has about themselves and about Jesus. And the Spirit is going to flip them upside down. So the first one is sin. Jesus says, He, the Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Nobody believes that they're a sinner. Before we come to know Jesus, we think that we're good enough for God. All right? And uh, the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time, they had the same problem. They thought that they, were, that they were righteous before God. And yet they're the very people that 
organized the trial and crucifixion of Jesus. They killed the Son of God. And that's because they did not believe that he was the Son of God. So Jesus pulls this out as prime evidence that they're sinners. He says, they do not believe in me. Jesus, all across the Gospel of John, he says, if you don't love me, you don't love the Father. And so by this, it's dead proof to show that they truly are sinners. It exposes them. And the same problem is actually all around the world. All around the world, people are, are blinded in the same way. Muslims, agnostics, Hindus, atheists, everybody, before they come to know Jesus, thinks that by their own goodness and their own good works, they can be right with God. What they don't realize is that they are sinners before God and they need Jesus to save them. And so the Spirit of God is going to convince the world otherwise. He's going to convince them that they are sinners. Right, the second thing is righteousness. Jesus says, He'll convict the world concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. Now, this righteousness is not our righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus was put on trial as a blasphemer and crucified as a criminal. So they didn't think he was righteous. But we know that he's the Holy One of God. How do we know this? Well, God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. God wouldn't do that if Jesus was a false prophet. And so Jesus pulls this out, his ascension, as prime evidence. He says, because I go to the Father. That's how we know that he is righteous. Most of the world today thinks that Jesus is still dead and in the grave. They need to know he's not. Jesus was raised from the dead and is seated on high as the Lord of the universe. And the world doesn't believe this. And so the Spirit of God is going to come and he's going to convince the world that this is wrong and that Jesus is the righteous one who God raised. The third thing is judgment. Jesus says he will convict the world concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, a lot of people in the world don't think that sin matters or that God is going to judge it. They think that God's just going to let us continue in this state of evil ongoing forever. That's not true. There's a day coming when God is going to judge the world. He's not going to let it go on forever. He's going to destroy all sin and judge all those who reject him and his father. And Jesus says the evidence of this is that the ruler of this world is judged. Now the ruler of this world The ruler of this world is Satan. That's what the Bible tells us. Satan is a real person. He's the prince of demons. He holds real power over this world to keep people in the bond of sin and death and evil and suffering. And yet, at the cross, Satan lost his power. Jesus, taking all the powers of sin and darkness upon himself, died and rose again and triumphed over Satan. And so now Satan is doomed. The kingdom of Jesus is advancing across the world. And Jesus says the fact that the rule of this world is judged, the fact that Satan is doomed, is evidence of the coming judgment of the world, of our future judgment. So most of the world doesn't think 
that sin matters or that God is going to judge sin. And that's wrong. It's not true. And the Spirit of God is going to convince the world concerning judgment, that it will happen, that there is a day when Jesus is going to judge the world. He's going to come back. So, three things, sin, righteousness, judgment. Now, this probably all seems a little conceptual to us, right? But this is actually what the Spirit of God is doing in the world today. And it began on the day of Pentecost. Everyone knows the story of Pentecost? Jesus was on earth for 40 days with his disciples, and then he ascended into heaven. And then after 10 days, on, it was the Jewish, uh, the Pentecost is the Jewish festival. On the day of Pentecost, uh, Jesus poured out his spirit on all his people. Uh, and all of a sudden, his disciples start speaking languages that they'd never learned before. They start worshiping God. And Peter, the apostle, gets up and preaches the gospel to everyone. There was, there was Jews from every country uh, visiting for the festival. And, and Peter says to them uh, this big sermon. And in the sermon... The Spirit convicts them of these three things. So the first thing, judgment. Uh, Peter, Peter says, look around. God's Spirit is being poured out on the earth. Uh, and he pulls out this, this prophecy from the Old Testament, from the book of Joel. And he says, this is what the prophet Joel prophesies. This means it's the last days. This means that the, judgment, the, the day of judgment is coming. So he tells them to call on the name of the Lord so they can be saved. So he's convicted them of judgment. Then righteousness. <laughs> Peter Peter. Speaking to the Jews, he points to them and says, Jesus, the man that you killed, that you crucified, God has raised him up and made him the Lord of the universe. (laughs) The one that you crucified is the righteous one at the right hand of God. He is the Lord and Christ. So he's convicted them of righteousness. And finally, the Holy Spirit convicts them of sin. The account reads that uh, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? The Holy Spirit has convinced them that they're sinners. What happens next? Peter says to them, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you know what happens next? The account reads that on that day, 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people. Those people just a moment before were convinced that Jesus was a dead man. And all of a sudden, they understand the truth that Jesus is risen and the Lord of the universe. What caused them to think this? The answer is the Holy Spirit told them. He convicted them. Do you guys believe that this really happened? Do you you believe that this is possible? Look around us right now. Can everyone just look at the people on your left and your right? Right now, just look at the people on your left and right. There's about 50, 60 people in this room. It is a miracle that every one of us is here today. Think about this. We are in emeralds in Australia right now. We're 14,000 miles away from Jerusalem, where Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. None of us have ever met Jesus. Jesus never came to Emerald. Jesus never came to Australia. So how is it that 
we, we speak about Jesus as though we've met him before. We talk about him like he's alive. And we worship him as though he's God. Isn't that weird? I think it's a bit weird. How do we know this is true? The answer is the Holy Spirit tells us. He bears witness that Jesus is alive. And that leads us to the next point of, of, what, of what God is doing in the world today. Have you, ever, have you guys ever had somebody ask you, how do you know that Christianity is true? How do you know it's true? And you say, well, I, I just know it's true. And they say, no, but how do you know that you know? <laughs> and the answer is, we just know. <laughs> you just know. I, there's evidence out there. There's lots of stuff. But at the end of the day, the Spirit bears witness that Jesus is alive. <laughs> and the Gospel of John picks up on this so many times. Jesus says, he came that the blind might see. He came to bring us from darkness into the light. And so when God the Holy Spirit comes and flicks the lights on, we can see the truth about Jesus. We just know. We just know that it's true. So that leads us to the second thing. The Spirit speaks the truth. God is still speaking today, and He's speaking through His Spirit. That's why He's called the Spirit of Truth. There's my notes. The Spirit speaks the truth. Walk with you through the text here. Verse 12, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Okay, so Jesus is going to keep saying things to us, right? When, when and where is that going to happen? Next verse. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Okay. So Jesus says he's gone away, but he's going to keep speaking to us through his spirit. Now, a little confused. Isn't that why Jesus was sent into the world? Jesus said earlier in chapter 8 that God sent him <laughs> to speak the truth, and now he's sending someone else to do it. So there's a bit of a chain going on. Jesus sums it up in, uh, in verse 15. He says, all that the Father has is mine, therefore he will take what's mine and declare it to you. So this is the triune God's rescue rope. This is how God reaches the world, how he speaks to us. The Father, to the Son, to the Spirit. Speaks to us. It's amazing, right? Now, Jesus, the way he speaks about this is really spiritual, right? It's, 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 it's kind of shocking for us. Let's go back to verse 13. Uh, the way he speaks about the Holy Spirit is, I feel like if any of us would talk like this, we'd sound loony, but he, he talks about him like he's a real person. He says, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he'll speak. The Holy Spirit's not some impersonal force. He's a real person. He's God himself speaking to us. He's the spirit of truth. Now, when we hear those words, spirit of truth, probably sounds like an oxymoron, right? Because when we think of the word spirit, we think of this eerie, ghostly, floating aura, right? But when we think of truth, we think of brick wall, just stone cold truth. But God is both. God is spirit and God is truth. So he's the spirit of truth. That's why Jesus 
calls him that. And so this means that the truth is primarily a spiritual thing. All right, God uses means, and the ordinary means he uses is the Bible. But ultimately, truth isn't taught to us by, by sermons or arguments or anything, but, but it's actually primarily something taught by God himself. God the Spirit in us convinces us that it's true, and he guides us into the truth. So why didn't Jesus stay on earth? He went away so that he could speak personally to all of his people across the globe at the same time. Let me tell you a story about my, my mate. Uh, my mate uh, from last year, he was, he was my neighbor. I uh, met him in the park, and uh, he knew that I was a Christian. I told him that I believed that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, now, this guy was a medical researcher. He, he worked in medical research, and he wasn't very convinced at all. Uh, he said to me, do you really believe that? And I said, yeah. <laughs> he was not convinced. But over the months, I got the chance to share a few stories from the Bible with him, and we started at Genesis and went, went through the whole thing. And, and by the time we got to the, the end of the life of Jesus on earth, I was telling him the story of the crucifixion. Uh, I told him the story of how, how the Roman soldiers uh, pierced Jesus' side with a spear to make sure that he was dead and blood and water came flowing out. And the Romans pronounced him dead. How they, how they took him down from the cross and they buried him in a tomb. Uh, and the Roman soldiers, they rolled this big stone in front of the tomb. They sealed it up. Uh, and, they put, and they kept a band of soldiers in front of there so that nobody could get in or out. Now, my mate was listening, but by this point, he kind of just chimes up and says, wait, wait what, what happened to Jesus? They, they laid him in a tomb and he couldn't get out. What happened? And I said, oh, I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow. And he said, no, 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 tell me. What happened? I said, I'll tell you tomorrow. So the next day I told him, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled the stone away from the tomb. He made the soldiers collapse with fear, and Jesus walked out of the tomb, alive and well, just like he said he would. Today, my friend prays to God as though he's real, and he worships Jesus as though he's alive he is. What convinced my, my, my skeptical friend in medical research to all of a sudden come to believe that? Why, why would he do that? And the answer is, the spirit of truth guided him into all truth. There's one more thing that Jesus says about the spirit. Jesus says, he will glorify me. And so this is a good summary. This is the main job of the Holy Spirit on earth is to to glorify Jesus, to teach us the truth about him and convince us about him. This is really helpful for, for the way we um, think and look, look at our other Christian groups and other Christian denominations. If, if you're ever asking yourself if something is of the Holy Spirit, the question we need to ask is, does it glorify Jesus? Does it lift him up? And if the answer is yes, then we can be positive that the Holy Spirit is at work. 
All right. So Jesus went away so that he could reach the whole world by his spirit, so he could convict the world and speak to them the truth. I've got two thoughts for how this applies to our life. First thought, listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Listen to what He's speaking to you. Don't don't go past what it said in the passage. It says the Spirit convicts us, the Spirit speaks to us, and the Spirit guides us into truth. Now, I think when it comes to listening to the Spirit of truth, there's two extremes, and we, can, we want to avoid either extreme. The first extreme is the Jehovah's Witnesses, and the second extreme is rejecting the Bible. So, first extreme, Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't know what you know about the Jehovah's Witnesses, but they're a group of people, and, and they don't refer to themselves as children of God. They refer to themselves as students of God, or students of the Word. They study the Bible day in day out. They study the Hebrew and the Greek, and yet they've pursued truth at the expense of truth itself by rejecting what the Spirit clearly testifies in his word in the Bible. They don't believe that Jesus is God. They know a lot of facts about Jesus. They don't worship him. They think that the Trinity is illogical. They think that it makes more sense to just, to just have the, the Father. And so they've rejected what the Spirit clearly says in His Word in the Bible in favor of what is logical to them as humans. So they know all these facts about Jesus, but they don't worship Him. They don't worship Jesus. That's tragic. The, this is the same problem as what the Pharisees had. Jesus rebukes the Pharisees back in John 5. He says to them, you pour over the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And yet they bear witness about me. (laughs) The Pharisees knew their Bibles back to front. And yet God himself was standing in front of them and they crucified him. That's tragic. And so... We don't, we, God is the spirit of truth. Yes, he's truth, but we are learning not a book. We're learning primarily a person. We are learning about the person of God through his word. And so we want to avoid this pitfall. This is a pitfall that I've struggled with myself in the past. And I want to encourage you guys, um, think, think about this yourselves. If you read the Bible every day, but, but you're not growing in love for God, you're not you're not deepening in fellowship with him through the Holy Spirit, you're not falling more and more in love with him, then you might need to reconsider the way you approach his word. Knowledge is meant to lead us to love God more, to know him closer. The second extreme that we want to avoid is rejecting the Bible, all right? Rejecting just having the spirit but no truth, and that's not actually the spirit at all. There's a lot of people out there who, who claim that God spoke to them, or the spirit has told them something, and yet it contradicts what the Bible has said. God will not contradict himself. In the passage, Jesus just clearly says the spirit is a person who speaks, so I believe the spirit can still speak to you today, but God will never contradict 
what the Spirit is already speaking through the Scriptures. The Bible is God's final absolute authority and His authoritative word. So if you think that God is trying to tell you something, be wise about it. Be discerning. Test it against the Scriptures. God will not say two different things. He will not contradict what He's speaking in the Scriptures. And second application, let God send you. The Son of God came to save the world. And now the Son has sent his Spirit, and he's sent you. He sent us, his disciples. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, you've been sent, whether you know it or not. And so, so let God send you. We can have confidence that as the Spirit of God is in the world doing his work, that he, he will use us and he will do his work through us. We know that this is the way that God is going to reach the world. There's no plan B. <laughs> All right, Wait, let God send you. There's, this passage is not just a thing for the first disciples. Please don't think that. Uh, there is still four billion people today who do not believe that Jesus is Lord. <laughs> and they need to know that he is not dead and in the grave. He's risen and he's the Lord of the universe. We can have confidence that God's doing his work. And so we can pray confidently for our friends to come to know the love of God in Jesus and be saved. We can pray for the gospel to spread. And we can boldly share the gospel, knowing that, that's the, that God the Spirit is going to use that through us. All right? And if you think that God is, is, is telling you to share with someone, listen to the Spirit. Like, go with that. <laughs> that's what God wants. All right? We are part of God's mission to save the world. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you've come to save us. Lord, we do not deserve to be with you or to be part of your kingdom, God. We thank you that you have loved us so much that you've come to die for us, God. And not only that, but that you've sent your spirit to be with us, Lord. We thank you that you're with us to the end of the age, that you're always with us. And we've got the promise of being with you forever, Lord. I love your presence. I love that you're with us, God. And thank you that you've spoken the truth to us, that we know who you are, God. We pray that you'd help us to continue to listen to you across our whole lives, God. Would we, would we know you deeply as our Father? Would you continue making us walk with you through all our years, God. And I pray that you would send us, Lord. Please send me, God. It's, it's hard and it's awkward, God, but I pray that, that you would do your work through us in your spirit, Lord. Would you guide us and teach us, Lord? We pray that those around us would be convinced of the truth about Jesus, Lord, that they would not remain in darkness, Lord, that that you'd bring them out into your light, God. Please use us, Lord. We pray that your will be done and that your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.